0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So welcome, everybody, to our class on practicing together, or spiritual friendship, or being on the path together. This um, topic is such a beautiful and rich one, and I think um We'll we'll introduce ourselves in a moment, but I just wanted to, I'll speak, say that this is a meaningful and really uh, a touching uh, topic that I hope all of us can find something rich and supportive with. So we would like to begin by um, asking people to say their names, and this is very important your favorite vegetable. <laughs> you can just say your names, your favorite vegetable, and maybe just a few words about uh, why you're taking this course, like something that um, would be, yeah, just what, what interests you or something like this. We're not, we'll have uh, more time for people to, to um, talk, but right now it's just an introduction. So maybe I'll start at um, this end
1: over here. Hi, I'm Kathleen <coughs> Kathleen. And I just read an article about carrots, so I will say carrots. <laughs> um and uh you know the idea of community as far as the practice is concerned is sort of a it, it it's something that I'm not um familiar with, don't have that much contact with, so I'm interested in exploring it and seeing where where it leads or what constitutes it.
2: Hi, my name is Phil. Um, last night I made the most amazing Brussels sprouts, so at least for today, that's my favorite vegetable. And um, so this topic is very, uh, very dear to me, maybe one of the dearest, yeah, one of the dearest, the dearest topic in my my life, so I've had a long spiritual journey, and my companions along the way have been um, really, uh, really, really important to me. So I'm, I'm delighted that we're doing this.
3: So I'm Hillary, and um, I just love broccoli, <laughs> steamed broccoli, not not you know uncooked. Um. And I'm here because I have been at IMC for 15 years and raised uh, two daughters, and now they're off. And I realized that most of my friendships were um, friends of my children's friends' parents. <laughs> and so I really want to spend some real um, quality time cultivating friendships. And, um, and I find that I do a lot of things here, but I want to just be one of a group of, of people and um, just supporting each other. And I, I also, uh, because I kind of facilitate the, um, the Neighborhood Dharma Discussion Groups, of which Phil has one. Um, and I'm thinking this would be a lovely topic for those groups. I'm also interested in, in carrying that forward maybe in some way and talking to you about that.
4: Hello, I am Nancy. Um, my favorite vegetable is, uh, is artichoke a vegetable or a fruit. I believe that's my favorite vegetable if it's a vegetable. Um, I am here because, um, in my uh, day-to-day life, I don't have other, uh, people that are on the same journey as I am. And so it's nice to be around other people who are in this practice and are, uh, can understand what I'm doing. Hi, I'm V, and um,
5: favorite vegetable are yams. And uh, I guess the question is, why am I here? Um, Yeah, I really think this is quite powerful to have a community of spiritual friends. I, I just love that even the title of it, and to cultivate um, this path together and support one another sounds just really supportive and really helpful for each of us on our own path, but also to support one another.
0: And I'm, Va- and I'm Valerie, and I'm going to go with the tomato uh, for salsas and sauces and all of the yummy stuff you can make with it.
6: Um, I just also, like some of you, just
0: love the idea of getting to know more people that might have a similar philosophy and similar kinds of practices as myself.
6: Uh, My name is Beverly, and my favorite vegetable is spinach. Uh,
2: My name is Kevin. Is this on? Uh, My name is Kevin, and... All of the vegetables people have mentioned, I think, oh, that's my favorite. So I can't, I don't know if I can pick one, (laughs) maybe a salad made of all of those uh, vegetables. Um, I guess I feel like this practice can be kind of a solitary practice. And I think the idea of finding community to sort of support me and and others is uh, a good idea. Uh, My name is Stan. Asparagus is uh, something I like. Uh, I'm actually meditating with people six days a week, and I would like to learn how to be a better uh, friend to people who are are not as far along in the practice as I am.
7: Hi, I'm Morgan, and I'm assuming... Okay, gotcha. I got it. Um, I'm Morgan. Um, my favorite vegetable are these funny little. It's a can of peas, La La Sour peas, that I grew up with a mom that made everything from cans, and I just love those little peas though. They're so good. Um, and um, why I'm here, I was talking to Ying about. Um, about this the other day and she told me about it because I had said to her I just where my heart is and where my practice is right now is just the craving to be with um, wise people and um, just my if I could do anything all day would be to be around the wise and other people on the path and It just And she's like, well, we're doing this group. And I was like, oh, my gosh, wonderful. So it was a lovely intersection.
8: Okay, I'll keep this brief. My name's Adrian. Um, Favorite vegetable is um, potatoes, well, French fries, I guess. And um, I'm here because my therapist uh, suggested I check out this uh, center, and I looked through the offerings on the calendar, and this one just caught my eye. I said, I'll drop in and see what it's about.
2: Um, My name is Michael, and I'm proudly vegan, so I love every vegetable, full of equanimity. And I'm here because I'm in town, and because Kim Allen's here, and she's hardly ever here. So thank you for coming, Kim.
0: So, now maybe we'll start with uh, those of us that are sitting up here. If uh, Ying would like to...
9: So, my name's Ying. Can you all hear me okay? Oh, my favorite vegetables? I guess cooked vegetables. <laughs> I like pretty much all cooked vegetables. Um, and for me, I think um, kalyana mita or uh, spiritual friendship, it really was the door uh, in for me uh, to be on this path. It was a... Uh, um, Uh, heart opening um, before I ever encountered anything uh, at the beginning to really kind of invited me in to a community that I feel really I wanted to be associated with. And over time, the community has shifted and changed um, in different ways, Uh, sometimes offered tremendous wisdom, sometimes just we sat together and that's enough and so it's been quite dynamic, and uh, I would say um, it's a real blessing uh, to, um, to walk this path with others together, so.
10: Thanks, Ying. And um, I may just crank the volume up here slightly for Ying. And myself, my voice is soft today. Uh, David, this is my name. And if I were forced to select a favorite vegetable today, I think I might say chard or onion. Chard, chard for sure. No, onion. Anyway, that's, that's what my mind's like, chard or onion. Um, and uh, why am I here? Well, um... Part of it is, I think, to um, invite others to join this circle, or not a circle of four, but this, this uh, arrangement of four spiritual friends. Um, we've been finding our uh, spiritual friendship, support of one another, really rich over the last few years, and uh, it's a pleasure to be able to do something here that expands that circle, uh, works with you all to cultivate um, additional additional goodness so that's all i'll say for the moment
11: well thank you Um, my name is kim and i guess i'm going to go for eggplant today but you know it's hard to choose um And then I really was excited to uh, have the chance to share about this topic. You know, when we sort of had it as a collective idea, I thought, oh, this would be great. Because as I reflect on the spiritual friends that I've had along the path so far, uh, it's really been a matter of, um, I would have been very confused (laughs) without uh, the input of friends and the kind of... uh, different perspectives that each person brings has helped me see, it's like uh, other sides of the Dharma that I might not have had a chance to see in my own practice, and that has enriched it in ways that I I don't think I even know yet. So this is really a um, path made much richer through the friendships we have on it.
0: And I'm Diana. And maybe I'll say that the four of us, we practice together regularly. We And we um, get together over Zoom, because that's the most convenient, uh, maybe every other week or so, and, and talk about things and share things, both things we're studying, things we're reading, what's happening in our practice. And it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> and we just kind of... Uh, doing what David has said, just kind of want to expand and just what we found is helpful. Maybe, you know, other people will find helpful too. So we'll use that as a introduction. Oh, my favorite vegetable. If I were to um, judge by what I tend to put in my food the most often, I guess it would be carrots. Not because they're the most delicious, but I'm just adding them to everything. So I think that's great.
10: So maybe we'll launch in with sort of our first, um, you know, substantive teaching, uh, section. It's actually pretty light. I thought I would say just a few things about what we, what we, what success in this, in this gathering might look like. Um, just sort of some context for what we thought would be as, as Diana said, sort of skillful or supportive to to introduce and develop and cultivate together. And, um, the first thing is just to uh, state again this idea that this, this, cl- this class, course, um, set of four gatherings can be itself uh, an experiment in cultivating spiritual friendship, in helping support one another, opening the heart to others, recognizing the um, utility of supporting others' practice in developing our own and the reverse uh, so, again, sort of a, a welcome, you know, in coming together, joining us for this sort of a, a bit of an experiment, bit of a um, shared exploration of this, of this topic, this theme, this aspect of practice. We'd like to talk a little bit or explore a little bit in this, uh, you know, in this process, uh, different aspects of spiritual friendship, different ways it can appear, different ways it can feel, different ways it can be cultivated. Um, maybe some of that will be quite practical. Um, we'll we'll see. We're going to do quite a bit of small group sort of breakout things, and we'll kind of see what comes up around what people have found in their own practices and, and can bring bring into the um, exchange. Because it's a Sati Center study and practice uh, format of which we've done, this is the third Yeah. Uh, We'd also like to bring in some of the texts, um, texts originally in Pali and various translations, to sort of look at how is spiritual friendship captured in the ancient texts from which we derive at least a part of the teachings, the sort of textual tradition that that undergirds the teachings. And in this, this approach will be quite different from... the previous classes we've done where we followed one or a set of suttas, and we sort of worked through them. Here we're going to be a little bit more um, eclectic and focus quite a bit on narratives and how spiritual friendship is actually uh, presented rather than kind of definitions or lists that are useful to memorize or any of that in case anybody was worried about (laughs) that. (laughs) Hillary Hillary mops her brow. (laughs) No exams. yeah <laughs> there will be a, w- a weekly paper, oh, okay. but we'll s- we 'll talk about that later. Um, and then finally, we wanted to sort of develop or um, cultivate some, some practices related to uh, spiritual friendship and supporting the practice of others as a way of developing our practice. And uh, one of the ways this will show up is in some guided meditations, a focus on um, developing and uh, cultivating goodwill towards others and maybe opening ourselves a bit to to feeling and um, being supported by the goodwill of, of others in our practice. Kim?
11: Okay, and then just to continue on this sort of introduction, you know, what are we going to do and how will that, you know, what is the aim in doing it? Um, I think I can gather up everything that David said into just a couple of nuggets. One is which is that spiritual friendship is actually a, a really a part of the path. It's um, it's not just a support for the path. It's not a nice thing that we get to do because we happen to live in this neighborhood. It's actually considered to be a, a, a integral component of the path um, that is necessary in some sense. So some Dimension of this has to come into our practice if we are to awaken spiritually, and so luckily there's lots and lots of dimensions of Kalyanamita, and we can select the parts that seem really meaningful to us. But we're going to present the whole um, kind of range of what this can look like, in the hope that it really is a support for your path. Um, And then maybe a second point I'll make is that this occurs in the context that the recognition that our practice is for ourselves, for others, and for both self and others. (laughs) It literally says that, Um, as well as for the world. So our practice is always done in a larger context, and this is one of the expressions of that larger context. So thank you.
9: So, in the spirit of that, uh, what we will do next is um, to break into small groups, and I will uh, give you a prompt question uh, just to kind of explore uh, this topic a little bit. And this question has to do with uh, just to reflect a little bit in terms of what roles a spiritual friendship has been in your path. Or a lack of, uh, you know, or what what that means to you, and so we'll probably break into a, a group of th- uh, threes, um, and um, and each person can kind of talk, share a uh, maybe one point at a time, and listen to others while. Uh, you speak and then uh, oh, oh, while you're listening, and then just take turn and this way, maybe we'll kind of find a way of stimulating each other <laughs> as we listen to others and uh, make it maybe we can just kind of find the different corners of the room or if you want to go outside uh, in the walking hall, that's fine too as well, and you will have um, maybe around 15 minutes yeah and i will i will ring bell uh to ring everybody back, back in here um so yeah to make it into
11: groups and then we'll repeat the question yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. groups of- Three. group
9: of three yes yeah. so opportunity to make
10: <laughs> this class as we've done the previous ones for audio dharma and so if you find there's something you know of a personal nature that you don't want to share just turn the mic off or pass it on and, and go ahead and share what you'd what you'd like and i was walking that direction but who would like to share something Something about what went on in your group of three, or something that came up for you as as you talked about it with with others. Any any thoughts, reflections? Okay. No p- no pressure. No no reason. Nobody has to share anything. Uh-huh. B is ready. Michael's ready. Okay. Mm. I realize I spoke a lot in our
5: group. (laughs) Um, So, let's see. Mm, I noticed that spiritual friendship has been a really integral part of my path. And something that came up for others in the group was just that validation that our experiences on the path isn't so off the you know, like off the wall. Kind of just that not comparison, but just uh, a sense that, oh, this is the evolving practice, you know. And that we're not, you know, just experiencing something totally out of the ordinary. Uh, I also reflected and noticed how, yeah, the, my spiritual friendships have been really powerful in a sense of synchronicity even. Just meeting people on the path and how there's a connection and someone else shared how resources and different books people are reading or their practices have helped to evolve our own practice. I've had people share with me, Oh, have you tried this or that? That just like opened up a new evolving way of my own practice. So that's always, that's been lovely too. One thing that I did reflect on is that for me personally, I've, I've made many spiritual friends in different communities and I've been coming here, but I haven't had like, well, I had one person that I, I co-taught with that as like a really deep friendship we have now, but I haven't felt that kind of friendship here at IMC so much. But yeah, so mm-hmm. it's something that I'm hoping would open up more in the future. And
9: yeah, thank you. So I think Michael wanted
2: to do my about
1: and that's fine. Okay. No.
2: Yeah.
9: No, if then anybody else? Beverly?
6: Uh, So from our discussions, I got the impression that everyone, people have different things that they mean by spiritual friendship or that they want out of it. So some people need a really close-knit caring group of the same people they sit with all the time. But other people, not so much. They just might like to be able to hear, kind of be in the Dharma loop and know what's out there and can be dharma fin butterflies and go from one group to another. Others just want a, a small group of people to discuss the dharma with. So there's different needs and desires. Yeah.
9: Thank you. Thank you, everybody.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing it. And this is something that we will be kind of like unpacking as we go through this course. What does it mean to be a spiritual friend? Is a level of intimacy? Or what does good friend mean? And what does friend mean? What are these types of things? So, and we'll be doing this also in terms of uh, our spiritual path. So it's as Kim said, it's not something that's just on the side and to enhance, but how can we make this a real part of our path so that it uh, supports our greater freedom or awakening? So now I'm going to introduce, we're going to uh, look at a text, uh, a sutta, Sutta is the word that we use, that you, if anybody doesn't know um, for these scriptures, we can say. Um And uh, in a moment, I'll hand out a version of it that is abridged. That is, you'll see a lot of dot, dot, dot. So that means that I um, just wanted, for our purposes this afternoon, for us to just focus on particular parts. But um, there will be an encouragement that we'll send you the full thing later. And you'll see that there is some interesting, there's more things in here that are kind of rich and interesting, at least I think so, (laughs) um, than just exactly what we're talking about today. So before I hand it out, I'll kind of give you a really high level what this is about. This is called the Meghya Sutta. It's named after a monk who is Meghya, and he was the attendant of the Buddha before Ananda, if you guys know about um, Ananda. And um, while he was on his alms round, he saw this mango grove that looked like the perfect place to go meditate so he comes back from the alms round and says to the buddha i want to go to this mango grove and the buddha says Nope, it's not the time because the buddha's by himself and he needs to have an attendant with him magia Meg- asks again and then which um if you read the sutta you'll figure out what magia says that then the buddha says okay you can go so magia goes off and he meditates and um he has a difficult time. And then he comes back and he tells the Buddha, Wow, this wasn't so easy. I had a difficult time. And um, then the Buddha gives him a teaching. So we're going to talk about this, uh, the, the teaching. But one thing that I um, want to point out is here's a Meggia who is a, a monk. He has dedicated his life to practice and he has access to a great teacher. Some would say the greatest teacher, right? He's the attendant to the Buddha. He has access to him all the time. And he still has a tough time meditating. So just kind of this set the expectations, right? Sometimes we may think like, well, gee, everybody else is doing this. Um, but here we see where it wasn't uh, so easy. So I'll pass out uh, this abridged version of the Meghya Sutta. Uh, Yes. Oh, I need one. That would be helpful. Okay. So can I have somebody who will read out loud the first part before the numbered list? And then we'll have somebody else read the numbered list. And then maybe a third person will read what happens after the numbered list. So who would like to begin with the first part? Morgan, thank you.
7: Meghya Sutta. Then Megia got up from his seat, bowed, and respectfully circled the Buddha, keeping him on on his right. Then he went to that mango grove, and having plunged deep into it, sat at the root of a certain tree for the day's meditation. But while Meghya was meditating in that mango grove, he was beset mostly by three kinds of bad, unskillful thoughts, namely sensual, malicious, and cruel thoughts. Then he thought, It's incredible. It's amazing. I've gone forth from the lay life to homelessness out of faith, but I'm still harassed by these three kinds of bad, unskillful thoughts, sensual, malicious, and cruel thoughts. The Venerable Meggia went up to the Buddha, bowed, sat down to one side, and told him what had happened.
0: Uh, Okay, so who would like to read the next sentence and then the list of five? Phil, thank you.
2: Megia, when the heart's release is not ripe, five things help it ripen. What five? One, firstly, a mendicant has good friends, companions, and associates. This is the first thing. Furthermore, a mendicant is ethical. This is the second thing. Furthermore, a mendicant gets to take part and talk about self-effacement that helps open the heart when they want without trouble or difficulty. This is the third thing Furthermore A mendicant lives with energy roused up For giving up unskillful qualities And embracing skillful qualities This is the fourth thing Furthermore A mendicant is wise This is the fifth thing that When the heart's release is not ripe Helps it ripen
0: And then who would like to do these last Four sentences here
3: A mendicant with good friends, companions, and associates can expect to be ethical. A mendicant with good friends, companions, and associates can expect to take part in talk about self effacement that helps open the heart. A mendicant with good friends, companions, and associates can expect to be energetic. A mendicant with good friends, companions, and associates can expect to be wise.
0: So, we can see from this that having good spiritual friends, companions, and associates is foundational. Right? That It's um, first in this list. When we, when we do see lists in the uh, Buddhist teachings, it's often that uh, there's a, um, a progression. And we see that here, that it starts with uh, having good friends. And we can unpack, what does this word good mean? That... Um, Sometimes it can be translated as beautiful. It's the word kalyana, beautiful. But sometimes it might be helpful to think about what is the opposite. So there are in the suttas descriptions of bad friends. And the uh, word for bad is the word papa, which sometimes gets translated as evil, which may be too strong. But if you think of like non, the opposite of evil, the opposite of, um, what is what is evil? Something that doesn't allow a person to awaken, that kind of gets in the way of their liberation. So that's one way we can think about um, a good. And also we have these three synonyms, right? Friend, companion, associate. And we might think of these as different levels of intimacy, different, um, we might have different, Types of relationships with them, but they are all people that we have in our life, and maybe we'll, uh, as the as this course uh, uh, unfolds, we'll start to see a little bit more about what are the differences between friends, companions, and associates. And then, so to unpack a little bit, so this first one is that having good friends um, helps one to be ethical. This is uh, not an uncommon um, experience. When I think back on some of the things that I've done, I remember uh, when I was, I don't know, young, maybe like 10 years old or something, me and my friend thought it would be fun to steal a candy bar from the grocery store. So we'd grab the candy bar and ran as fast as we could out of the store. But I don't think that's something I would have done on my own. It was just something about, you know, being with friends. We sometimes do these things. And then this, uh, this, the third one on the list is takes part and talk about self-effacement that helps open the heart. So maybe we could even think about what we're doing here today as part of this. Um, let's talk about self-effacement. We could, there's a number of ways we can interpret that. And one is not claiming attention for oneself. It's not all about me, 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 me. We could also understand it as being a little bit humble or as being a little bit modest, as opposed to a sense of self-righteousness and look at me, I know what's best at And like everybody else out there, you know, really setting up a dynamic of me versus you, us versus them. It's like not doing that. Instead, having a conversation, having discussion that is more about uh, concord and cohesiveness and getting together or getting along together and being together. And then this idea that helps open the heart. I love this expression, right? That's... Um, that is meaningful. So, opens the heart. I think many of you know that um, the word uh, chitta in Pali can be translated as either heart or mind. It's translator's choice. This translator, Bhikkhu Sujato, is saying opens the heart. Another translator, Bhikkhu says opens the heart. Another translator, Tenisro Bhikkhu, says opens the heart. Oh no, he says uh, opens the awareness. So, but there's something about this idea of you know, um, maybe being a little bit more open-minded as well as open-hearted. What does it mean to be touched by? What does it mean to allow a new idea in? This is a big part of the spiritual practice. So when you have Good friends, it's more likely that you'll have conversations that open the heart and open the mind. And then the fourth one that we see here has the energy for abandoning the unskillful and cultivating the skillful. So we might understand this as being motivated as or inspired. Maybe somebody that we don't even know um, but we see that they have a particular diligence or I um, just came back from a retreat and and in the closing circle one of the persons, one of the participants said, you know I'm not going to say who it was but somebody on this retreat inspired me so much just by the way that they were walking the way that they were sitting, the way that they were eating, and it was a great support for me and then he said, and part of the reason why I'm not going to say who it was so you all kind of think that it was you (laughs) But just this nice thing, right? Sometimes you know, spiritual. Maybe they're just associates. Maybe we don't ever have a conversation with them, but they inspire us in some kind of way. And then, oh, maybe I'll back up and say more about this talk that is um, opens the heart or opens the mind. If you wanted to read the whole sutta, you. Will, I put some ellipses in here, but the Buddha lists ten topics. I like to talk about. So he gives um, some topics that might be supportive. And then, lastly, that um, having good spiritual friends can help support one being wise. Maybe I, I like to think of this as this list as a progressive. You start with good friends, you start being ethical, you start having talks, participate in talks, or hear talks that open the mind and heart are inspiring. Start behaving in ways that are promotes the uh, skillful and demotes the unskillful, and then wisdom arises. There can be a way in that this uh, demonstrates a path in some kind of way. So that's my little... Um, uh, introduction to this sutta and maybe I'll just say one last time there's a lot of rich fun interesting things in here so um, we encourage you at the end uh, we'll send a link to this and encourage you to look at it and maybe think about this and explore what. how do you interpret this and how is this meaningful for you now I'll pass it on to David
10: So we 'd like to continue by sitting a little bit together one of the one of the ways we maybe most clearly express uh, our support for one another, an activity that we do on our own, but that we also um, do together so we 'll sit mostly in, in, uh, in stillness and quiet for about twenty minutes, but i 'll provide some some brief guidance as we drop in, just sort of sharing with you what's what comes up for me uh, sitting here in this, in this particular topic or this particular um, aspect of practice. As we settle in, it occurs to me that we can check in with our posture in a way that illustrates for us the centrality of balance in our practice we adopt a posture in our sitting meditation that is balanced between energetic engagement with the present what it's like to be here what's really going on in our experience showing up for our experience but An attention that we provide in an easeful way. It's a balance between, it's a balance of alert uh, and relaxed attention. And importantly, we don't, in our meditation as in life, we don't establish a balance and then switch on autopilot. We constantly check back in to reestablish the balance. We find ourselves caught up in a thought snagged by a, an emotion. Um, we find our minds contracted or tight for an unknown reason. And we open back up to the breath. We bring our attention back to here, to now, reestablish a balance. One of the reasons we sit with the breath, we accompany the breath, we hold the breath in our attention in a friendly way, is because the breath is naturally balanced. The body knows how much oxygen is useful. The body's constantly checking in to find out what's needed now. When we rest with the breath, we're sort of leveraging taking advantage of that of that balance finding in that balance some inspiration some refuge we sit here alone together together alone this is another fundamental balance of our practice. We come to the practice frequently for our own benefit. And then we find that we benefit from the support of others, and we benefit from providing support to others. We balance the commitment and the dedication, the discipline needed for our practice with the commitment and the discipline that are useful in supporting the practice of others. We constantly work on this balance, much like maybe two acrobats might. Two acrobats balanced on a high wire, balanced on a tall pole, Each needs to be exquisitely aware of her presence, of what's going on in her experience, in order to support the other. In supporting the other in this way, each is supported. And the balance is constantly revisited, constantly rearranged, constantly reworked, constantly re-inspired. for engaging in this way, for showing up for ourselves and for others. can check in with the heart a little bit. Just notice how the heart feels. Opening, contracting, opening toward ourselves, closing toward ourselves, opening toward others in the room, closing. If in our experience we find some openness of heart, some stillness of mind, we can share it with the others here. When we share the benefits and fruits of practice, when we share the stillness of mind, the openness of heart that come to us in our practices, sometimes in little drips and drabs and sometimes in overwhelming waves, when we share it, It's not diminished. When we share it, it grows.
11: uh, oops, does everybody have a copy of this? These are again excerpts and this is a different sutta. We're going to kind of emerge out of meditation into um, reading about some friends who were uh, living very much in the way that uh, David so beautifully evoked for us in the meditation. So this is from a sutta called the Chula Gosinga Sutta, a shorter discourse in Gosinga, and I know you're all reading through it, Um, and we're going to actually read some sections like we did before. So I'll just give um, the setting briefly, which is that the Buddha is visiting three monks who are practicing together in a park. Anuruddha, who is the kind of the main monk, happens to be uh, one of his cousins, I believe, some relative. And they're living together very harmoniously. And the first part of this sutta, which is what we're going to be looking at today, um, talks about what this looks like for them. It's not a list of the qualities of friendship, but it does say something about the conditions that help bring about good friendship and what it looks like. And then the later parts of the sutta talk much more about their meditation practice because the Buddha then goes on to ask them about that. And I think the implication is that their harmonious living is contributing to the high quality of their meditation practice because they do have very good practice also. But we're not going to look at that part. So um, what I described is pretty much just this first part where the Buddha arrives at the park. And I wonder if somebody would be willing to read... Sections five and six, which are, which are the on the front page, would somebody be willing to read those? Thank you, Nancy. This of the names I can't pronounce? You can um, okay. you can approximate the names that okay. you can't pronounce. It's okay, but number five doesn't have too many. Okay. Anuruda, Anuruda, yeah.
4: Then all three went to the Blessed One. One took his bowl, an outer robe. One prepared a seat, and one set out water for washing the feet. The Blessed One sat down on the seat, made ready, and washed his feet. Then those three venerable ones paid homage to the Blessed One and sat down at one side. When they were seated, the Blessed One said to them, I hope you are all keeping well, Anuruda. I hope you are all comfortable. I hope you are not having any trouble getting alms food. We are keeping well, blessed one. We are comfortable, and we are not having any trouble getting alms food. I hope, Anuruddha that you are all living in concord, with mutual appreciation, without disputing, blending like milk and water, viewing each other with kindly eyes. Surely, venerable sir, we are living in concord with mutual appreciation, without disputing, blending like milk and water, viewing each other with kindly
11: eyes. But anuruddha how do you live thus? Okay, so we'll pause there for a moment. So it's a nice conversation, right? The Buddha arrives and they they do a nice thing for him. They put out the seat, they let him wash his feet. I mean, this is fairly standard. But nonetheless, it's a little act of courtesy. And then the Buddha asks about how they are. (laughs) He says, I hope you're not having any trouble getting alms food. I mean, that's really sweet, right? And so that's just kind of his way of saying, are things, you know, he, he wants there to be a nice setup to support their practice. But then it's beyond the physical, just getting enough alms food. He also wants to know how their uh, concord is in their group because that's another big factor, right? And so he has this wonderful phrase, living in concord with mutual appreciation without disputing, blending like milk and water, viewing each other with kindly eyes. It's quite evocative. It's, of course, an expression of metta, the kindly eyes so um, let's just go on and read one more section because the next section where he asks them well how is it that you do this so he's trying to bring into consciousness what it is that allows them to live in that way and section 7 names those things who would like to read that one who would be willing to read that Beverly, okay thank you
6: Venerable sir, as to that, I think thus. It is a gain for me, it is a great gain for me, that I am living with such companions in the holy life. I maintain bodily acts of loving kindness towards those venerable ones, both openly and privately. I maintain verbal acts of loving kindness towards them, both openly and privately. I maintain mental acts of loving-kindness towards them, both openly and privately. I consider, why should I not set aside what I wish to do and do what these venerable ones wish to do? Then I set aside what I wish to do and do what these venerable ones wish to do. We are different in body, venerable sir, but one in mind.
11: Thanks. And then the other monks just confirm what he said. It's okay. it's the it, And it repeats that phrase. Um, so this is the, you know, offers us some guidelines about how it is that one could come to live in such a state. And if you think, wow, that sounds really idealistic. I don't know if I've ever lived in a state like that with other people. That's okay. <laughs> These are um, meant to be, you know, maybe... Um, ideals or um, situations that we could aspire to or something um, inspirational so but I think the implication here is that this kind of harmony doesn't just happen. The Buddha doesn't say, oh, well, of course you're living like that. That's how everybody lives. <laughs> Instead, he says, how do you live like that in order to help them see? Because it's not actually how everybody lives. And so there are conditions for that. And so we can look at what those are. There are um, several of them highlighted in this paragraph. So the first one would be what we could call appreciation. So... You know, he thinks it is a gain for me. It is a great gain for me that I am living with such companions in the holy life. So he actually consciously thinks this is a good situation for me. This is really a gain. And this part is actually quote unquote selfish. <laughs> it's about how it benefits him that he's with these other people. But um, nonetheless, it's important to appreciate that. So, do we stop to appreciate in our lives? the presence of our Dharma friends and other supportive elements of the Dharma, you know, that we live near enough to a Dharma community that we can come here today, for example. Do we just take a moment to appreciate that during the day? I have a recent example from, um, that I came across. I'm I'm in a, a study group for learning Pali, and um, we're all kind of just comrades or Associates or whatever the one of the words is, companions in the group, and one um, one man in the group is uh, Vietnamese, living and working here, and so it's interesting for him to learn Pali using English as the basis to do that. And we had a little email discussion that we went into these sort of fine details on some words in a sutta that we were reading, and it, it was really geeky actually. But he um, he wrote in one at the end of one of his emails. I've never thought this deeply when reading suttas in English or Vietnamese, only in Pali. The joy of reflecting on my practice while translating these sutas is abundant, regardless of how difficult they might be. Thank you, friends, for making this favorable condition. So it's a simple statement at the end of his email, but he, he got somehow that it was important for him that he was in this group, that um, this was what was enabling this to come about. So that's an example, simple example of appreciation. Um, and then secondly, we see that there's this these phrases now about bodily acts of loving kindness openly and privately, verbal and mental acts of loving kindness, both openly and privately. So this is of course metta. Uh, and it's interesting that it's it's quite inclusive bodily verbal and even mental we even don't think anything you know we don't look across the room and smile congenially at our friend but think god i hate the way he does that you know (laughs) things like that because those things matter too right those are happening in our experience and so they have an effect on us and then in addition there's this part about doing things both openly and privately. So it's also not like out in the open you're very nice and then, you know, once you get to your kuti, um you slam things around or you, you know, behave differently. So there's a sense of um in particular I appreciate that we would want to do acts of kindness toward people without them knowing. Um you know, the kind of secret agent of love kind of um you know where you know maybe somebody has i don't know uh left their shoes out in a way that they're gonna could potentially slide down the slope and you just move them you know a few feet they probably won't even notice they'll just come pick up their shoes when they come um but you did that and you didn't need any recognition for it so there 's kind of a sense that meta actually doesn't need outside confirmation it 's something that we that we do as part of our practice. so again, this is you know maybe a bit idealized to do this a hundred percent of the time, but we can consider those different dimensions, you know all different areas of our body, speech, and mind, and whether we are doing it both openly or privately, I mean, maybe there are some people who are the opposite, they're happy to do things quietly that people don't see, but if somebody were to see them acting kindly, that would be a little bit too much, you know, they don't want to be acknowledged, or seen, or, you know, I don't want people to know that I'm actually kind of a softie, Um, so... You are? So... You know, we need to consider if any of these dimensions feels challenging to us. You know, that might be an interesting place of practice. Oh yes, okay. Um, can you use the microphone?
8: Okay, I happen to come from a social work background, and I retired. I did a lot of group work, and I find myself um, with friends in need, or even someone I've just met in need being um, very kind to them and really, really um, being supportive to the extent where it's very hard for me at times. I've cried, you know, the situation is so difficult and I'm not their social worker. So here's my question. Is that crossing a boundary to um, uh, be doing... Like, um, a therapist said to me who I was seeing... Um, you're crossing a boundary because you're playing social worker with these friends. And I didn't feel like I was. I thought I was just being a kind human being. Could you comment on that?
11: Mm. Well, I think I would invite also uh, my colleagues to offer something. Um, But my sense is that there isn't a single answer to that question. And it um, depends uh, partly on your intention—you weren't intending to be a social worker, so you've said that already. But also, kind of how it's flavoring the dynamic of the interaction. If you're setting up somehow a situation where you're the expert and they aren't, or they're going to be do, um, owing you something in some social way that you—you know—that isn't so healthy. You know, then it's um, might need to be thought about. I don't think you want to be thinking, well I, I can't help them because it would look bad or it's not appropriate. You know, don't don't suppress that tendency, but just make sure that there's this feeling maybe guided by some of these words here of are you harmonious blending in concord which wouldn't involve say owing people or or power differentials. That's my sort of top-level answer to a situation where I don't know enough details, but that can be a guideline maybe. So Anybody else want to say anything? Okay. Um, Yeah. Do you want to use the microphone? Oh, yeah. yeah, We should have done that earlier.
8: So recently, with one of these friends I met in a um, a, a, a spiritual community, Um, this woman has serious problems and was desperately in need of a social worker. I became her friend. This. Well, first I became her friend. I didn't know any of this. And then recently, she's had a tremendous setback in her life, and she was not getting the kind of help she needed from the county. Well, I didn't think of myself as her social worker. I thought of myself as a friend, but I went went way out. I ended up taking her to her psychiatrist. I met with him. Um, I did a number of things that were sort of social worky, but that was not where I was coming from. But again, this therapist... And my friends told me that, once again, I went way overboard. So um, I just am having a hard time wrestling with that because I happen to have made a few friends who are extremely needy with major problems, and I really love them for who they are. And I want to be there for them, and I bring to it who I am, and who I am is part of this, who I am is... From coming from my experience, so it's just I'm just really having a hard time because all of the outside comments, and especially the ther my therapist.
11: Yeah, thanks. Uh, well, I appreciate that you're um, making it part of your practice. I would say it's kind of an ongoing exploration for you to clear you know, see how clear that is. Diana looks like she wants to contribute, so please.
0: Maybe I'll just say briefly. How do we know when our boundaries have been crossed? Yeah, We know because it feels uncomfortable. That's kind of, that's an unfortunate thing. It's, you only know like, oh, whoops, okay, that's a little too far. So that's how we know, and we learn, and we learn from it.
10: briefly because I think we're still not quite finished with the the sutta I would just reflect back to this that uh, this idea of balance that we establish in our practice Uh, and as Diana just said the utility of really keeping our attention with what's going on in our experience that's where it's in returning to the breath returning to our posture returning to that balance noticing what's going on in the body that we have the best cues that we get they're imperfect to the extent to which we're sort of in a balanced relationship with a spiritual friend. Spiritual friends, in my sense, it's um, the the things we do, the way we support one another's practice, they're different than many of the other ways we support friends um, and uh, others. So it's useful to think of this maybe as something that's not all-encompassing, but an aspect of practice.
11: Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll just um, finish up a little bit more with the, with the text. We've had f- two conditions that lead toward this harmony. Um, one is appreciation, the other is metta. And the third is expressed in this last section of that, section 7, where it says, why should I not set aside what I wish to do and do what these venerable ones wish to do? So there's a sense of a diminishment of self-centeredness. And it's, uh, the teaching here is that it's conducive to harmony if we don't always have to have things our way, in a sense. Now, I do want to comment that, of course, that this we might not want to carry around as our uh, default way of, being in the world. It's not at all intended to say that we should just passively sublimate all of our desires or interests for somebody else or for the group. But remember the context of the sutta. I don't think it would allow for an interpretation like that. The context of the sutta is that these people are practicing together. They're, um, they've been living together for a while. Um, they're all practicing the Dharma, and so they have that understanding. And so I don't think it would make sense that you know that there would be that kind of interpretation. But um, it's nice. I mean, this has the obvious benefit of reducing self-clinging if we practice this. And a pl- you know, within a spiritual community, if we feel uh, that we're with respectful friends who are also practicing, it's a good time. It's a good place to practice this issue of not always having things our own way. And I think it maybe points even deeper that in the long term on the Dharma path, the path unfolds in ways that we don't always know how it's going to be. Anyone who's practiced for more than a few months, did it go the way you expected? <laughs> you know, Much less a few years or a few decades. Uh, who knows how things are going to unfold? And so a sense of not always needing for it to be our way, not needing things to, you know, allowing ourselves to give ourselves over to something that isn't our own wish is actually a very deep practice. And we may not want to do it with friends who we aren't close to yet, but on a very personal, intimate level, there's a lot of surrender on this path. And so this is maybe a preliminary training for these wider, deeper practices and then finally, um, I'll just say that in this very last section, section 9, we won't read the whole thing because we're a little short on time, but it's a it's a nice little description of how they take care of the place where they practice. So whichever returns first prepares the seats, sets out the water for drinking and washing, and puts the refuse bucket in his place. Whoever returns last does a few things. And there's a sense that caring for the place is part of their harmony, so they care for each other, and then they they keep the surroundings nice. You know, this happens, of course, at a retreat center. Say when you all are doing your yogi jobs and keeping the place going. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, it's kind of a lot of little pointers in this sutta toward how this harmonious living comes about. I remember a story of a children's school that made an effort to create a real community among the students and the teachers and the staff, and they had a sign posted in the entryway. For some reason, this has stuck in my mind. It said, Take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of this place. I think that would be a good operating principle for us. So, thank you. Are there any, at this point, um, Questions. I mean, we already had one, so I know that there may be some brewing. Um, this would be a good time for any of us. Uh, we, we might all respond, but um, anything that's come up from our discussion of friendship so far, V? Could I pass that
5: on? Okay, so... Um, <laughs> One thing that came up for me in the reading was uh, living in Concord with mutual appreciation, without disputing, blending like milk and water, viewing each other with kindly eyes. I think what came up internally in my body when I heard "without disputing," <laughs> I was like, "What? How? How is that possible?" Uh, because you know, I'm I'm used to living in communal. Um, just my family background is like that. And I actually invite that kind of dispute. And maybe just the word is different here, which is this idea of being really open to share what's going on internally with one another. I think there's so much value in that, in relationships with spiritual friends even. So that was something that came up for me.
11: I think maybe the the implication would be that there isn't hostility in the way that they interact. Mm -hmm. Um, And in this case, of course, since they're monks, they're not having a lot of kind of general talk around, you know, like we would in a family. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's meant to say that we wouldn't, you know, have boisterous discussions and have different opinions, but that there wouldn't be hostility behind that. Mm -hmm. Yes, maybe you could get the microphone from. Yeah.
8: I don't want to. I feel. Susan, I'd love to meet everybody, and I will come on time to the rest of the sessions. Just anyway, I was going to say that I lived in a community for six months, and many years ago, it happened to be on a kibbutz in Israel. And um, I really noticed an absence of certain values that are important to Judaism and Buddhism and meta being one. And it, it really um, bothered me. I mean, I felt this is not the community I want to live in. And um, I've had that experience a number of times, so I'm really wanting to find um, f- spiritual friends that feel like, you're articulating okay
6: Maybe you can keep it and you can hand it to the next person if
2: you want to So you alluded to this while you were talking um, that this doesn't seem this doesn't seem particularly realistic um, who So if there's no dispute, and and perhaps that's attitude, but in order to set aside what I wish to do and do what someone else wishes to do, I have to know that there's a difference. And so someone must have expressed their wishes, and there must have been a disagreement, and someone had to choose to do things the other person's way And that other person had to agree to do that. And so there's a certain dynamic that had to have been present that is not talked about here. Do you have any comments about that?
0: Go ahead. No, you
11: can go. Oh, I was going to say I've had times where um, I had an idea about what I wanted to do, but then somebody expressed something that was different and without even saying anything I just said, great, that sounds fine so there wasn't actually a need for any entangling um, and it's it also doesn't you know, because of that dy- dynamic that, that somebody must have said what they wanted to do, um, it doesn't say that you can't ever say what you want to do <laughs> or have opinions about things, uh, sometimes people think that concordious con- is that a word? living um, <laughs> you know, it just kind of means that you just disappear and what everybody else wants is fine. And uh, I I would question whether that's really um, what's being pointed to in the teachings, although maybe the way the words are here sounds like that. And I think maybe some of the other folks here may want to say something.
2: I just want to... I love the part of the metta-suda where um, it talks about being easily supported And that feels like it fits with what you're saying Of like, this is what I want And if I don't have that, that's okay And if I can't have it, then that would be delightful, right?
10: I think something we'll explore going forward Is the relationship between spiritual friendship And um, um, sort of the wisdom that develops with... um, with, with wise view, the sorts of things that develop in, in practice. And uh, I, think, I think this passage, which I think particularly maybe in our culture sets off a certain, can set off a certain kind of dissonance. Um, again, I would point back to the context that these are practitioners who really trust one another's wisdom. That makes a big difference. There's a lot of trust and safety that need to be established, I think, between and among friends, companions in, in this path, um, before there's that ease of sort of um, letting some of your set your preferences go, and I think that's what this passage kind of refers to—is the way we we tend to be very um, uh, we tend to be very caught up in our own preferences, and it's hard to sort of go, "Oh, okay, here's another thought." And if these are companions in the path, as we found out in the Meghiya Sutta, where one finds wisdom, where one finds energy, where one finds pointers about skillful behavior, uh, virtuous behavior. And it's sort of easier to um, to let oneself go a bit into that into that relationship so anyway, I think it's I think we've practiced it actually the four of us um, and so it can be done <laughs> um, and it's not that we don't have a lot of energetic fun uh, but there's not hostility in it and there's a sense of when we l- l- look at one another and go, "Oh, that's interesting because Diana said it or Kim said it for me or Yang said it. It's like, oh, okay. I trust these. I trust these people. I trust their path. I trust their practice. Very, very happy to let go of my own sense of, oh, this is a, this important because <laughs> I thought it. You know. So anyway, I think that's kind of the, the the flavor of the of the passage.
3: When I read that, I I couldn't help but feel like that's how I feel as a parent with my children, right? There's a sense of selflessness, um, but it it comes from just unconditional love and and wanting to be supportive of each other, but also realizing that we're all in this together, right? And we're all uh, really trying to support one another for something that's bigger than any one of us. And so I feel like family life has really been the best uh, teacher for me in learning those qualities that then can be um, expanded out to friendship.
9: Beautiful. There's one behind
6: you. Uh,
3: I I really love what you shared about um, the... Uh, interaction between the different parties and when I read that I thought of um, this idea of ask culture versus guest culture and it's sort of like what you raise in a household where you just frankly say this is what I want and then someone else addresses it versus the implicit culture of like you're supposed to anticipate what the other person wants ahead of time and they're both value neutral it's just conflict happens when one party's a guest one party's an ask and then you don't even know so um, my, my reading of this is that everyone is on the same cultural wavelength and this works. Um, but I think it's like, how do you get from normal interaction to this point where you know each other's values? I feel like that's the part that got, kind of got shortcut in the passage. Yeah. yeah.
9: I think maybe that's also... Um why Kim mentioned that the context of the Sutta is also important and to know that these are the three disciples who have been practicing together for quite some time, you know, there is this container of mutual appreciation and mutual kindness um, already kind of in the air (laughs) that they breathe and so this um, kind of wisdom and uh, uh, being together can is 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 conditioned upon this cultivation,
6: yeah,
1: yeah. It's um, occurring to me as I'm listening to all of this that this is um, a description of a certain kind of interaction and relationship that's very, very unfamiliar to me you know, either it's, I'm in this, you know, I'm here for myself, I'm the most important person in the room to, you know, I'm going to take care of you. I mean, there's just a whole lot of definitions and I, it just is completely unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. I know Gil gave a talk once, it was on a completely different issue, but the monk kept saying, in response to what somebody was saying, is that so? Is that so? Is that so?" Just, And it doesn't fall into the category of being a good listener. I mean, all the categories with which I've worked for years, none of it applies here. So keep uh, keep discussing.
9: (laughs) So well, maybe it's a time for we all have a small group to kind of do a discussion and sharing on this topic. And so this next part, um, we will break into small groups, maybe a, a group of fours. So we have more people coming in. <laughs> um, that's the course unfolded. A, grou- uh, a group of fours. And then um, we want, to, you know, now that you've heard the sutta, and you also pointed the sound may not be kind of uh, relatable to your experience. Um, but in your small group, we'd like to uh, have you to share how the spiritual friendships have been expressed uh, in your own um, experience, uh, in your own practice, whether it's uh, through the uh, expression of actions, words, or mental activities, like a metta, or you know, whatever other ways that have, have been expressed, uh, or uh, the lack of what might that be like, and so that will be one a prompt that we give to you. Um, and then I'll ring bell and there will be a second prompt uh, when that happens. So maybe get together into a group of four, um, group of fours, and I'll find maybe different parts in the room um, to uh, discuss. Well, welcome back. We want to just kind of be conscious that uh, the class is supposed to end at three thirty. <laughs> um, we want to just kind of get in sync with that. Uh, so to wrap up today's session, um, there are a few things that I want to highlight. One is I, you know, you all have the handout of the two sutta uh, uh, experts. I would just say for the first one, um, Magiya Sutta, um, read the whole sutta. Uh, it's relevant to this topic. Uh, and we didn't have a time to go through the the list of the 10. <laughs> so read the sutta. And the second one um, that you have the handout, I also would encourage you to read out loud. And just kind of reflect upon that for yourself. And you can add, remove, change uh, for your own um, purpose. But this uh, exercise is really kind of help you to reflect what is supportive for you, and what are the ones that really can connect with you. And so that's the exercise um, that we uh, related to the sutta. And I will email you out uh, the links uh, if you need it. Uh, I think Kim's um, uh, handout has the link, uh, but I will send you the link as well. And so uh, with respect to that, for those who uh, haven't signed up uh, through our uh, mailing list, uh, please uh, come and write your e- name and email address. And that way I can add you uh, to our mailing list where you get uh, the uh, the email, uh, the links that I'll be sending to everybody uh, as well, and then in addition to that, uh, I'd invite everybody to practice a couple of things. And so, in today's sutta, um, we talked about the sense of appreciation. Uh, appreciation, to me, uh, is a sense of uh, some recognition and understanding of the uh, things that are supportive of your practice. And so we talked about uh, various uh, conditions. Uh, for example, the uh, proximity of the center to <laughs> where you live, or uh, the spiritual friends that you have, or simply you have the time that you, you're able to come. And so maybe take a moment to kind of reflect What are the things that are supportive of your practice, as a an appreciation practice, and then the uh, the other aspects of this is a a gratitude practice. And gratitude practice, uh, to me, uh, maybe just how I felt, is kind of a heart opening or um, um, a form of love, almost. You know, a gratitude practice, just. What are the things that allow you to feel the sense of gratitude? And and that comes from your heart. And so there's two things. One is more related in my mind, is a sense of knowing and recognition. One is something that you feel in the heart. And so see if you can incorporate uh, some of these aspects in the uh, the coming week, uh, in your practice as you kind of reflect reflect upon the materials. And so may you all have a, a wonderful week, and we will see you next week.